inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thanks for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. Be sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you won't miss a single episode. I'm super excited to announce that this podcast has reached over 100,000 downloads. Thanks to my loyal listeners, you're awesome. You've helped shape this podcast into what it is, and for that, I am grateful. I appreciate all the reviews and ratings you've given me, and we love the comments and suggestions, so please keep them coming. Since the last time we recorded, we're full-on winter around here. I live in Colorado, high up in the mountains at about 8,000 feet of altitude, so we've got snow on the ground now. We've had temperatures well below zero on many nights. Um, the ground is frozen hard. No more riding outside uh, for us, but we're fortunate to have a toasty indoor arena. Um, I designed my indoor arena to have some solar gain, so by the middle of the day, it heats up nice and toasty, and we have great footing in there. So I'm super grateful to have a place to ride and work horses inside all winter, but I admit I started getting a little cabin fever long before winter's over. I'm um, getting tired and bored of riding inside. I'm eager to get outside. And so if I feel that way, I can only imagine how the horses feel. But right now with winter early upon us, I'm super happy to have an indoor arena to ride in. I know a lot of you uh, aren't so fortunate living in the northern uh, climates and you have to just kind of give up on your horsemanship for a while. And um, just remember, there's lots of stuff you can do, even if you just get your horse out and groom him for a little bit, um, connect with him in some way as much as you can so he doesn't forget about you over the winter. And also, we've got lots of great um, wintertime training programs on my website, so check out, um, go to signin.juliegoodnight to see what we offer in terms of curriculum. I'm looking ahead to 2021. Uh, with a lot of eagerness, a lot of hopefulness. Uh, We've got the vaccine well underway now, so I think that's going to bring a lot of positive changes over the next few months. I'm not sure when larger events like horse fairs and horse expos will be back on the agenda, at least on my agenda. It might be a while. But in the meantime, we're planning a lot of horsemanship clinics for 2021. I have four programs coming up at Sea Lazy U this year. Two of them are brand new programs that I'm really excited about. First, um, not a brand new program, but a program I've been doing for a few years along with my friend and colleague, Barbara Schulte. She's a world-renowned cutting horse trainer and also a performance, high-performance coach. And Barbara and I partner together on the Women's Riding and Wholeness Retreat at the Sea Lazy U Ranch. And also I offer a program called Ranch Riding Adventure. That's just a fun, um, high intensity riding program where we, you, you have equitation lessons and trail rides and trail obstacles and cattle sorting every day. So it's super fun program in the fall. Also, 
Uh, I have two new programs at Sea Lazy U this fall. One is also in conjunction with Barbara Schulte, and it's a women's leadership program. We're really excited about this uh, leadership training program we've developed with horses at the core. It's not uh, particularly designed for horse people, but for um, professional professionals and leaders and executives and the like, and um, bringing the wonderful message that horses offer us to that venue. So we're excited about that program. And also I'm offering a horsemanship immersion program at Sea Lazy U, which will be kind of everything you ever wanted to know about horses. It will include equitation lessons, trail rides, but also hands-on workshops, lectures, and training demonstrations. So we're covering covering everything from confirmation to saddle fit to bidding to training and um, also riding. So I'm, I'm excited about that program as well. I've also got a few private clinics in the works for 2020, various locations around the country. Um, some of those will be open to the public. Some of them will remain private. We'll be sure to let you know. I'll list it on my website if there are openings available in any of those clinics in your area. Be sure you're on my mailing list so that you would get information if a clinic is scheduled in your area. And again, you can go to juliegoodnight.com and offer up your email there, and that'll get you on the mailing list. And while you're there, be sure to check out all my online training programs and streaming services at signin.juliegoodnight.com. Plus, we've got innovative grooming tools, tack, equipment, and educational resources at shop.juliegoodnight.com. Today's topic is canter hacks. I'll discuss the top 10 challenges riders have at the canter and how to conquer them. Whether you're just starting out and learning to canter for the first time, or maybe you've lost your confidence to canter, or maybe you're an advanced rider training a green horse. Whatever the case, this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the most common problems that riders have at the canter, and I'll give you some quick fixes and share some horsemanship secrets that you may not know. I've been teaching horsemanship for a very long time, and I've literally taught thousands and thousands of riders. And through the years, you start to see common themes emerge, and it's really the case that most of us make the same mistakes over and over. When it comes to rider errors, there really aren't that many of them. And so um, the most common mistakes are the ones that we all make. And in every clinic I do, these are some of the most prominent problems that I deal with when it comes to the canter. And first and foremost is simply having the confidence to canter. Look, I get it. It's a scary gate. I mean, if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong at the canter. It's the closest thing to the flight response that we ask the horse to do. And so, you know, often things can get a little exciting at the canter. And whether that's because your horse is under a little bit of stress or has a little bit of soreness or is nervous in some way, um, there's so many things that can trigger a response of excitement in the horse. And so that often happens when we cue the horse to canter. So all that being said, not to make you more afraid of the canter, 
but to make you understand that it's 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 a realistic thing to be nervous about. The canter feels like it has a lot of speed, um, and that's primarily because it has a lot of impulsion. The horse is it's got a lot of power behind it. The horse is lifting himself off the ground a lot. It's the gait that we all want to master and that we all want to achieve, but it's a little bit scary too. And so my best advice to you. Uh, when it comes to building the confidence to canter your horse, is to fall back on an ancient piece of wisdom in horsemanship. That it said, and it says, the best way to improve the canter is to improve the trot. And so I encourage riders in my clinics. You know, if you guys are ready to canter, I'm here for for you right now, and we're gonna do it. But if you're nervous and you're not really ready to make the commitment to canter. No big deal. Don't get in a hurry. No good can come of getting in a hurry. The reason why the best way to improve the canter is to improve the trot is because, number one, the trot's actually a harder gait to ride. And there is a lot more that you can accomplish at the trot in terms of developing rider skill. So we can work in multiple directions at the same time in, in, in the trot. We work at multiple speeds, you know, the slow trot, the extended trot, the working trot. There are uh, multiple ways to ride the trot. You can ride it sitting. You can ride it posting. You can ride it standing. So you can uh, work on collection. You can work on changes of direction. There's just so much to do at the trot that if you truly accomplish all of those skills by the time you ask the horse to canter it's absolutely nothing it's actually easier so that's something to consider if you have a reluctance to canter because your confidence is not quite where it should be the horse will detect your reluctance easily. Remember, there's a lot of your body connected to the horse and you're holding on to the reins, which is something he pays a lot, attention to a lot. And he will sense reluctance on your part. If you're at that stage where you think you want to canter, but you're afraid to do it, I think I want to canter, but I'm not so sure, the horse picks up on those mixed messages and he becomes not so sure that he wants to canter. Also, horses learn, unfortunately, very early in their riding career, that when riders are reluctant to canter, they're most likely to hit the horse in the mouth at the moment of departure. When your horse launches himself into the canter, he first has to, has to lift his shoulders and neck, and then he lunges his mouth forward and down as he sort of rolls over his shoulder and lunges into the next stride. And what typically happens when a rider is fearful of the canter is that at the moment they feel that horse just starting to lift up the shoulders and neck in preparation for the first stride, they go <gasps> and clinch the reins at the very moment the horse is diving down into the bridle this needless to say is pretty hard on your horse so horses get hit in the mouth on the canter departure um it only takes one time before the horse is worried about that happening again and so if that horse has ever been hit in the mouth at the moment of the canter departure he knows that when the rider is reluctant that's likely to happen and so you enter into this which came first the chicken or the egg thing where your horse won't really pick up the canter 
because he knows you have a reluctance to canter. So all that to say that it's really important to wait until you have adequate skill level to ask your horse to canter, wait until you have the confidence and the desire and you know you're ready for it, and um, wait until you're ready to commit to doing it. Because the worst thing you can do is ask that horse to canter and finally have the horse respond and then immediately slam him back down to the walk because you, you weren't ready to handle it. By the way, if you are struggling with the confidence to canter, I've got some short courses on my website, on my uh, academy website that will help you. There's one on the canter and there's one on building confidence. So those are two resources that'll help you get past this first um, challenge to conquer at the canter, which is building confidence. Remember the best thing I can tell you is the best way to improve the canter is to improve the trot. So don't get in too big a hurry to canter. The second challenge riders face at the canter is just learning to ride the canter. Sitting the canter is so difficult when you're in the learning stage. And one reason why is because it's a vastly different movement from the trot. So when we first start out learning to ride, obviously we learn to walk, we learn to control the horse at the walk first, then we start working on the trot. We learn to control the trot and ride the trot until at some point we're ready to canter. And then we come to cantering after having just learned how to ride the trot. Well, the trot, it's very much a vertical motion up and down. Uh, we ride the, the trot posting, sitting or standing, but all of those motions involve you going forward and up and um, lifting your hips in a vertical motion. And the canter is almost an opposite motion. So one problem that people encounter in first learning to ride the canter is they're bringing their seat and their energy too far forward. The, your hips actually make a circle in the canter. So they go forward and down, or they push down and forward, up and back. And it's a circular motion, and it's very much like the motion of pushing a swing. So if you remember what it was like last time you were on a swing set, and you, you start gradually pushing that swing forward and back and forward and back, and if you want that swing to go higher and higher and higher, you really have to lean back as you push forward. And so that is is the perfect thing to keep in mind as you're learning to ride the canter. It is a come from behind motion. You wanna make sure you sit well back. There's a moment in the stride of sitting the canter when your shoulders are actually behind your hips. Your hips are going in front of the shoulders. So you wanna make sure you sit well back and keep in mind that what I just told you in your first challenge is you want to make sure you don't hit your horse in the mouth. So that means you have to reach forward. But to sit the canter, you're going to have to sit way back, almost sit farther back, even think about sitting a little bit behind the vertical. So that's kind of a two different, um, those are conflicting movements. You've got to reach forward at the moment the horse picks up the canter, but then immediately sit well back and go into that swing pushing motion. Also, as you're learning to sit the canter and control the canter, 
Keep in mind that riding straight lines at the canter is far easier than turning. You will um, have much more difficulty maintaining your seat and your balance on the turn than you will on a straight line. So two little tips that I would give you there. One is if you're riding in an arena, make sure you start at the beginning of a long side and, and give yourself the longest, straightest possible line as possible. I like to set my riders up that are learning to canter um, so that they begin cantering right at the beginning of the long line of the arena, the long wall, and they bring the horse back to the trot before they get to the turn. So I just, I like them to go six, eight strides, however, however much the length of the arena will afford, but then come all the way back to the trot uh, before you start the circle. And you want to get comfortable riding the canter on a straight line before you start incorporating turns. So another great way to learn to sit the canter then is to do it out on a trail. If there's a place where you can ride out in the open that is straight, flat, and with good footing, I would encourage you to go with a couple of friends, have one of them in front of you and one of them behind you, and this is a really easy way to learn to canter because in, you can work together in a coordinated fashion and kind of say, okay, well, everybody ready? Okay, one, two, three, go. And when the other two horses, the one in front of you and the one behind you, pick up the canter, your horse is going to pick up the canter too. So it's a really low stress way to um, learn to ride that canter because it's easy to get the horse into the canter. So you know, the first the first stage is really just starting to feel the rhythm of the movement and see how your body moves. And again, I've got a video resource for you. One of my training videos is called Canter with Confidence. It's very much an A to Z video about the canter, everything from um, learning the footfalls of the canter and about leads and cues, all the way to collecting the canter and doing flying lead changes. But there's a large section that addresses learning to cue the horse for canter and learning to ride the canter for the first time. So I encourage you to check that out. You can find it at shop.juliegoodnight.com. So the third challenge to conquer the canter is learning to control the direction of the horse while he's cantering. And that may sound relatively easy, but in fact, it's quite challenging. The faster you go, on the horse, the more difficult it is to control direction. Um, so as I said just a minute ago, in the, in the second challenge of sitting the canter, um, it's a whole lot easier to go on straight lines when you're cantering. So I would first, um, first work on, can I just keep my horse going straight down the rail at the canter? Uh, what horses like to do when you ask them to canter is drop their shoulder and dive in towards the middle. They might uh, cut corners severely at the canter. They might want to just kind of fall into an ever smaller and smaller, smaller circle. They might be pulling at the gate. Um, some of these are obedience problems, um, and some of them are just the horse's natural inclination. And so what your next goal, the goal in controlling the direction is that you can put the horse exactly where you want him while he's cantering. And you're covering so much ground at the canter that that makes it a little bit of challenging. So the rider has to really focus far ahead, plan out your route, every stride of it, 
um, for, I'm going to say probably halfway around the arena um, at a time. And make sure um, that you can keep the horse on the path you've asked for. So first you're going to just say, can I just keep the horse on the rail going down the long straight wall of the arena? My next uh, goal in controlling the direction of the horse is going to be, can I canter around the turn? And the third thing is going to be, and can I canter past the gate around the turn if you happen to have a gate right in the middle of a turn? So your horse is always going to pull towards the gate. He's going to want to stop or slow down at the gate. Um, the mistake the rider's going to make that's going to cause that problem is when you go to turn the horse for the first time at the canter, you are habitually going to pull back on the inside rein. And pulling back on any rein tells the horse to slow down. And so what happens is the rider's just learning to canter. They're just learning to control direction. They try to come into a turn. They take the inside rein. They pull it straight back towards their body. And the horse immediately breaks into a trot. Then the rider falls apart and the whole thing becomes a big mess. So learning to ride the canter around the short wall of the arena or around the turn is going to be a really big challenge in, in terms of controlling the direction of the horse. You'll never be able to complete that turn on a lazy horse if you pull back on the rein. That, by the way, is called the direct rein. So we don't want to use the direct rein uh, when you're just learning to control the canter. We want to use what's called the leading rein. And so you're going to take your inside hand and instead of pulling back with it, you're going to bring your hand out to the side to try to guide the horse's nose around the turn without putting backward pressure on the rein. It's the only way you're going to get them around the turn. So first challenge is to go down the straight wall. Second challenge is to be able to ride around the turn past the gate. Now, keep in mind that when you're working on controlling direction at the canter, there's a difference between establishing control and, and establishing direction and the horse being downright obedient. So oftentimes when riders are learning to canter, the horse becomes frustrated. You make a lot of mistakes and your mistakes impact him highly. Um, we tend to pull on their mouths. We tend to kind of slam down on their back hard. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like cantering anyway because it's too much work. And so what if your horse starts acting up when you're working on the canter, at, at the moment he becomes disobedient, you're no longer working on the canter. You're working on making him an obedient horse. You're working on regaining his obedience. And so just remember, if he just, if he's refusing, if he's diving into the middle and stopping, if he's stopping at the gate, um, these are disobedient acts and you need to go back. Uh, canter session is over at that point. You need to go back and do more basic level work with that horse right now in the moment and regain control, regain his obedience. Make sure he goes in the direction you ask. Make sure he, um, you know, goes the speed you ask and is responding in, in the way he knows how to, to do. So don't try to continue working at controlling the direction or speed of the canter 
when your horse is being blatantly disobedient. Go back and address that as an obedience issue, and you will be addressing that at slower gates. Your fourth challenge at the canter is going to be controlling speed. And by the way, green horses cannot canter slowly. It would take an exceptionally talented horse, and there are there are some out there, um, to go very slow as he's just learning to canter. So if you're riding a young horse, two, three, four-year-old that hasn't carried a rider at the canter very often, don't expect him to go slowly. He has better balance when he's going faster. And so anytime the horse starts feeling out of balance, he wants to go faster. And so the best thing to do with a young horse or a horse that's just learning to canter is to think more about galloping in them, let them go a little bit faster until they get into a rhythm, get into a speed, and you gradually start controlling that speed and bring them slower and slower. So doing an ultra slow canter is definitely a learned behavior. It's one that requires a lot of balance and it's something that you're gonna achieve over time. So if you have a green horse, um, don't worry about making him go slowly. You just want to focus on maintaining a steady speed. So we definitely don't want that horse speeding up and slowing down, but find a speed that he can comfortably hold. My greatest advice to you in terms of controlling speed of the canter is that you cannot do it with the reins. Pulling, if you have a horse that you think is going too fast at the canter, Pull, trying to hold him back with the reins, pulling on two reins will never work. The horse will tend to go faster over time the more contact you take on his mouth. It's a funny thing about horses, but the dynamic is this. When, when the rider is concerned about the horse cantering too fast, the rider tends to take excessive contact on the reins and hold gripping on two reins at the same time. This is what I would call static pressure. It's unchanging pressure. No matter what the horse does, the pressure doesn't change. And so what horses do in response to static pressure is to move into the pressure. And so what happens when you try to slow a horse down by holding him in a slower speed with two reins, he ultimately ends up going faster because he begins to move into the pressure. We call this running through the bridle. And so it actually, you actually end up with a horse going faster because you're pulling back on the reins. Now, this is a very counterintuitive problem. Uh, it's also, I'm sorry to say, a very common problem. And so if you're in that boat and you have a horse that you just think is going too fast and you're riding with a lot of contact and you're trying to hold him back and it's not working, it's probably this dynamic we're talking about. He's running through the bridle. So instead of controlling the horse with two reins, what you want to do instead of pulling back on two reins is to bring the horse on a wide arcing circle using primarily your inside rein. Make sure you lift the inside rein up and in towards the wither of the horse so that you tip his nose to the inside but so that his shoulder is kind of coming to the outside or he's lifting his shoulder up. So you want to lift the inside rein up and in, tip the nose to the inside, and just ride, that's uh, putting an arc in his body from, from his head to his tail, and just ride the circle in an arced position. 
And as you, you want to start first with a big, wide, arcing, uh, small arc, but as the horse continues to canter, you want to slowly lift up on that inside rein and engage your inside leg so that he comes into more of an arc in his body. Ultimately, what I want to do to slow down the canter is to bring the horse into a big arc in his body that he has to slow down because of the shape he's in. And then as soon as I feel the speed go down a notch, I release him from that arc and let him go straight. As he gradually builds speed again, I'll slowly bring him onto the arc again, and I'll bring that arc tighter and tighter until he has physically has to slow down because his, his body is so curved. And the minute I feel him gear down, I'll let him go straight again. And so what happens is the horse starts learning that when he goes fast, it gets a lot harder. And when he goes slow, it gets a lot easier. So in very short order, you'll feel that horse slow down. But in that process, you're also working on bending and arcing, which is how we're going to approach a collection at the canter. So um, one more little hack you can use to, to help slow down a fast horse at the canter. Sometimes horses, uh, because of past bad experience or because of um, maybe they just, just have a lot of anxiety or maybe the rider's over-cueing them, some horses, when you ask them to canter, um, sort of go into the canter like they were shot out of a cannon, so they, they just start with way too much speed. If you have a horse that's starting with too much speed or picking up speed rapidly, I like to use this little exercise. Now, what you're going to do is trot to canter, to trot to canter, trot to canter, trot to canter. But you're only going to canter a few strides at a time. So you're going to go from a slow sitting trot to the canter, but you're only going to go about four or five strides. And then you're going to come back to the slow sitting trot again, maybe make a circle, maybe make a turn, and then ask the horse to canter again. Go four to six strides come back to the trot, do a little circle, do a little something, ask the horse to canter again, just go five or six strides. And so you want to kind of alternate the number of strides that you do. Don't do the exact same every time. But And you're going to gradually build the, the number of strides you do over time. And so the first thing that occurs, if you use this hack for slowing down the canter, first thing that's going to happen is well, I want the horse to start thinking about the downward transition as soon as I ask him for the upward transition. So after a number of repetitions of just going a few strides at a time, the horse learns to start thinking about stopping as soon as you ask him to go. And so as soon as he starts, as soon as I can sense that the horse is starting to think more about the downward transition than the upward transition, I start gradually increasing the number of strides I ask for. So now I'm going to go seven or eight strides, bring him back to a trot. Eight or 10 strides, bring him back. 10 or 12 strides, bring him back. And so by the time you get up in that 10, 15 stride area, you probably don't have a problem of going too fast anymore because eventually the horse learns that going slower is actually easier for him. And eventually over time, he also develops better coordination and better balance of the rider. And hopefully in that process, the rider is gaining skills too. Your next hack for canter challenges is about dropping the shoulder. 
And I've already referred to this a couple of times, I think. But uh, what horses like to do when they're turning is to lean into the turn. And we call that dropping a shoulder. It's very disconcerting for the rider. We don't like them to do that because it throws them out of balance. It throws their weight onto their forehand and it causes them to speed up. So it's, it's out of balance. Um, it causes more speed um, and it's much more difficult to ride. So what we want the horse to do instead is an arcing turn and to keep his inside shoulder lifted. So sometimes the horse dropping the shoulder at the canter is a result of rider error. Anytime you drop your inside hand down or anytime you drop your inside shoulder down, anytime you even um, lean forward a little bit, your horse is gonna tend to drop his shoulder. So to prevent the horse, or by the way, you might also have a horse that's just kind of learned some bad habits like Every time he comes to a corner, he wants to kind of lean in and cut the corner, um, or he's kind of diving in the middle, the middle, um, making the circle smaller and smaller, these sorts of things. So your first line of approach when a horse, when you think the horse might drop his shoulder, and, and that's a key, you have to think ahead of the horse. Look, they do the same thing every single time you do it. So think ahead of him. You know every time you come around this corner, he's going to drop his shoulder and lean in. Think ahead of him. Before you get to the point where he drops his shoulder, I want you to just slowly and softly lift your inside rein. Do not pull back on it. Just lift slightly up. I think of actually kind of reaching towards the horse's ear. And when you elevate your inside rein, it asks the horse to lift his inside shoulder. Also, if you have a horse that's cutting corners, you can employ what we call the blocking rein. And so you're just going to, you're holding onto the rein with two hands. Let's say I'm riding um, around the arena to the left and I've got two hands on the reins and I know my horse is going to lean in or drop his shoulder, or cut the corner, or come off the rail. Uh, I know he's going to do it at this point that I'm about to approach. And so the blocking rein just means that you're going to bring your inside hand a little bit forward and in towards the neck of the horse. So I'm literally, you know, bringing my hand and arm towards the neck of the horse. I'm not pulling contact, but what I'm saying to the horse is don't go there. I'm closing this door. You can't lean on me. And um, so that's what we call the blocking rein. And it's something that you want to use proactively before the horse cuts the corner, before the horse drops his shoulder. And then um, another hack that can really be effective for a horse that's sort of dropping his shoulder and leaning in in um, a little bit of a disobedient way. You know, in other words, he's kind of being a little jerk about it. Um, I would uh, go ahead and let him fall into a circle if he wants to drop his shoulder, but then I would keep moving him forward harder and harder and harder and harder. The truth is that when he drops his shoulder and makes that circle smaller, it's much, much harder for him. So in, in, in employing this technique, what I'm saying to the horse is, 
oh, you think dropping a shoulder and turning in like that is a good idea? Let's just see how that plays out for you. And so I ride him more forward, allowing him to drop his shoulder, um, maybe even saying, okay, if you drop your shoulder this much, that means you want to be on a circle this small. Let's just stay on that circle. Let's see how small you can go and still canter. If you do that, allowing the horse to drop his shoulder, eventually he's going to pick his shoulder up and bring the circle back out because it's too hard. And so at the moment that you feel him lift his shoulder voluntarily and move out on the circle, I would just release him from the exercise, go forward a few strides, and then bring him to a stop. So what you're doing in in that particular hack is sort of saying in the horse, oh, okay, is that what you want to do? Well, let's just do a lot of that then and see see how much you like it. And then you're waiting for the moment that the horse voluntarily stops doing it himself and then reward that good idea that he had. So those are some tricks that all help keep the horse's shoulder up in the turn um, and keep him from cutting corners. Your next canter challenge is number six, and it's about the horse that breaks gait. Now, first of all, what do we mean by that? Well, um, gait, I'm talking about G-A-I-T, so the movement of the horse. And so breaking gait just means that I've asked the horse to canter, and he just quits, and all of a sudden he's trotting. I didn't cue him to trot. I didn't ask him to trot. I don't want him to trot. He just voluntarily started trotting. Now, breaking gait is a very big problem in a horse. It's one of the top disobediences um, in competitions with horses. And so the way we train horses is that once I've told you to do something like canter, it's your job to continue cantering until I tell you to stop or until I tell you to go faster or go slower or whatever. I'll tell you when it's over. I don't have to tell you to keep going every stride. And if you stop doing what I told you to do, you're disobedient. So that's considered a a grave act of disobedience in the riding horse. And um, by the way, breaking gait is something a horse should learn very, very early on in his training. Um, It, if your horse is breaking gait a lot, Um, It probably is illuminating a hole in his foundational training. Um, That's a hole that needs to be filled. It's one of the very first things that we teach young horses is that you have to keep going until I tell you to stop. Work ethic. So my first um, consideration is, is this a fundamental problem in your horse's training And if so, we probably need to go back and work at the lower gates and um, look for other things that might be contributing to why it is he thinks it's okay to just stop whenever he wants to. But keep in mind that also it could be rider error that is causing the horse to break gait. Look, cantering is hard. Carrying a rider around at the canter is even harder. And if the rider is inadvertently pulling back on the reins in any way, shape, or form, the horse is not going to continue to canter. He just can't do it. And so if the horse is breaking gait, the first thing to look to is the rider. What are you doing that's getting in the way of this horse continuing to canter? If he's breaking gait um, as a disobedience, that's different. We need to address that through training. 
But I'll tell you what I see happening all the time. Every clinic I teach, I see this happening in the horse that breaks gate at the canter. So here, here's how it plays out. The rider asks the horse to canter. The canter, the horse canters and he goes along four or six, five strides, whatever, or he gets to a corner and then he breaks into a trot or let's say he's going past the gate and he just, oops, accidentally breaks into a trot because he doesn't want to keep cantering. And what, what the rider does next is really important. And nine times out of 10, what the rider does next is simply re-cue the horse to canter. So the horse picks up the canter, he goes another eight or 10 strides or a turn or past the gate, and then he breaks into a trot again, and the rider re-cues the horse to canter. Now, the problem is not that you re-cued canter. You should immediately go back to canter. The problem is a cue is not admonishment. A cue to canter is not correction. And if you simply re-cued the horse to canter, he in no way, shape, or form knows he did something wrong. And he thinks it's actually okay to do because you didn't, you didn't correct him for it. You didn't call him out on it. You just asked him to canter again. Furthermore, he benefits from the disobedience because he got to trot for four or five or six strides, however long you let him trot, before you re-cued him to canter. So the problem with this process is that there's never any admonishment. When the horse breaks gate, he should be scolded harshly. I'm not saying you have to hit your horse, or certainly I'm not saying you should brutalize your horse in any way, but you should scold him. Let him know he did something wrong. Say, hey, get up, ha! Um, just something from your tone of voice, from a bump of the leg, from a, you know, whatever, slap your thigh with your hand, something needs to tell the horse that you thought that was wrong. If, if he doesn't think you think it, it's wrong, he's going to do it again. When I have a horse break gate, I scold him harshly um, and put him immediately back up to the canter and I actually make him work harder. I make him go faster um, and I will only allow him to stop when he's moving freely forward without any consideration of breaking gate. So keep in mind, recuing the horse is not admonishment. He has no way of knowing he did something wrong. Your horse wants to be a good horse. He wants your acceptance. He wants your approval. He wants your praise. So occasionally we have to scold the horse to make him work a little bit harder, uh, to, or in this case, to just simply let him know we disapprove of that kind of action. So don't be afraid to scold him a little bit. Um, make your, do immediately put the horse back to canter, um, but make that involve a little bit of an admonishment so he gets the idea that's not something he should be doing. Okay, we're getting down to the nitty gritty now. And um, hack number seven is about the horse that trots too fast before he gets into the canter. And so... What I'm talking about here is the horse that you set him up and cue him for the canter, but instead of starting the canter, he just goes into an extended trot, or what I refer to as a ground-pounding trot. And this is not the cue you gave him. If you continue to run the horse into the canter through the trot like that, first of all, it's not pretty. It's never going to be pretty. Second of all, 
it's difficult for the horse to get into the canter from a long trot. And it's horse ends up getting kind of in a mess with his legs. His legs are too extended. His body's too elongated. And he has to gather himself back up to to pick up the canter. And so, um, and by the way, let me distinguish between a horse that's just a baby green horse that's really never cantered with a rider before. He doesn't know anything. And he first has to, you just have to get that horse up into the canter and let, and, and kind of go for a ways. So he goes, oh, okay, this is, this is something we're supposed to do. So that horse, you're probably going to end up kind of running into the canter because there's just nothing else you can do. There's, he doesn't have other skills below that. So I'm not talking about that horse the first few times you've cantered him. I'm talking about um, a horse that has a little bit of training under his belt and uh, has cantered with a rider before. Often this is, this is a um, miscommunication in cueing. And so sometimes this is coming from a rider whose cue to canter is not distinguishable from the cue to trot to the horse. So sometimes there's a miscuing error. Sometimes the horse just develops this habit because he doesn't want to canter. Sometimes the rider isn't giving the horse enough of a release um, for him to step into the canter. So here's what I want you to do to overcome this problem. You're going to set your horse up for the canter Make sure you're at a good spot in the arena or a good spot on the trail. You want to make sure you have developed a systematic and sequential cue. Um, my cue, for instance, is I first take my outside leg and I reach back about six inches and I give a little nudging pressure to ask the horse to step his haunches in. Then I slightly lift my inside rein as I lift my inside shoulder. And then I kiss and push with my seat. So I do a one, two, three, four sequence. I do it the same way every time so that my horse learns this is the cue for canter. It's quite different from my cue to trot. So make sure you have a good systematic and sequential cue. You'll set that horse up for the canter. You'll begin applying the aids for the canter. And you should feel your horse begin to respond like he starts thinking, oh, okay, we're about to canter. Okay, I feel it. I feel it. Um, at, when you feel that horse is ready to canter, go ahead and give him your cue to canter. If he goes into a ground pounding trot, I want you to immediately shorten your reins sit back, pull the horse abruptly back down to the slow trot or walk, and then start your sequence over. If he goes into a ground pounding trot again, immediately check him all the way back down and immediately re-cue him. So what you're doing in this process is you're setting the horse up and then you're slowly giving him a cue. If he does the wrong thing, you're telling him, no, that's not what I asked. Try that again. And you give him the cue if he goes into a long trot, say immediately, no, that's not what I asked. Try that again. And you don't let the pressure off until he steps right into the canter from the slow trot. And it's pretty easy. It's something that should, uh, with a rider that has effective skills, this should happen very fast in one session. 
it's um, you're going to use the same process when you're ready to work on walk to canter transitions. At some point, you're going to have to say, nope, we're not going to do the trot anymore. We're only going to go from the walk. And so once that horse gets it, he'll get it. And it should happen pretty fast because what you're doing is saying, no, that was the wrong answer. Try that again. And he will search for the correct answer. By the way, the we want to start our transitions to canter from the slow trot to canter. When the horse is pretty good at responding from the slow trot to canter, we're going to start transitioning from the walk to canter. That's much harder for the horse, requires a much cleaner setup. And the most difficult canter transition of all is from halt to canter. That's going to come very much later on in your training, uh, both for the horse and rider. Walk to canter or halt to canter transition is quite difficult. Some horses really won't ever be able to exactly do it. They might have to take a step or two before they can launch. Um, but some horses will have more athletic talent and will pick it up pretty quickly. It kind of depends on the athleticism of the horse and, of course, the skill of the rider. Number eight for canter challenges is the horse that bucks at the canter departure. This is a unfortunately a more common problem than we would like to think. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that can be going on when the horse bucks at the canter. First of all is what we call the cold backed horse. And um, a horse with a cold back is a term that refers to a horse that if, if he hasn't been saddled in a while, you, he might kind of hump up or crow hop when you first saddle him. And if he hasn't been asked to canter in a while with a rider, the same thing happens again. He wants to just kind of round his back and do what we call a crow hop, which is not technically the same thing as a buck. So a crow hop is when the horse just rounds his back and lifts and hops up off all four feet. He does not kick out in the crow hop. And the crow hop is the beginning of a buck, but it's not a buck. And so the horse just kind of humps his back and hops up. And generally the cold-backed horse, if he hasn't been cantered in a while, he will crow hop a few strides and then that's the end of it. And then he's fine. He canters beautifully after that. He doesn't mean anything by it. It's not any kind of disobedient act. It's not any kind of, you know, over response or anything. It's just the horse trying to make his back feel better. And so, uh, by the way, there are some uh, equine chiropractics who feel like a cold-backed horse is one that needs a chiropractic adjustment, and I certainly wouldn't rule that out. Um, it, it's just something that a few horses are, are prone to. It's generally a pretty ben benign behavior. Now, another kind of horse that bucks on the canter departure is the one I referred to before that, that comes into the canter like he was shot out of a cannon and comes explosively into the canter and sort of um, works into bucking after the first uh, one or two or three strides. This is often caused by the rider over-cueing the horse, over-preparing the horse for the canter. Um, you know, it's it's so common that when we teach people to ride, 
we say kick them and you know use your legs and do this and do that and for many horses that's way too much stimuli and so um particularly horses that are what we call very forward moving the ones that are easy to get into the counter those horses are the ones that are most likely to be going explosively into the counter because they're simply being overcued overstimulated so, you know, I always say in clinics, if your horse appears as though he was shot out of a cannon when you asked him to canter, you probably overcued him. So the first thing to do is just really cut back on your cue. Do not use legs at all, only use seat. And you want to consider doing what we call thinking the horse into the canter, uh, you know, set him up for the cue and then just in your own mind, imagine that you start riding the canter. Uh, imagine that you're just allowing the horse to canter, not not making him canter. Um, you're, you're just letting him canter. Um, so that's what we call thinking the horse into the canter. And that's, that's what you need to do with those um, over, over eager horses. And by the way, there is in my um, training library in on the, the website um, where there are hundreds and hundreds of videos that you can subscribe to about horse training. Um, there's an episode of Horse Master on this very subject, one of our most popular episodes um, about a horse that just, you know, cracked into, into a bucking fit every time he was asked to canter. And it was just simply a cueing error on the part of the rider, but the horse was so, so sensitive that you literally um, could not give a cue at all to canter. You just had to think canter, and this horse would canter. So uh, often that's the case um, of, of rider error. Now, if you have a horse that's, you know, sometimes he canters fine and sometimes he cracks into bucking. If you have a horse that canters, uh, or sorry, bucks well after the departure, you may have some physical problems going on there. And, and always we have to look to the physical problem first. And so if you have a horse that it's not one of the first two scenarios that I gave you, um, but he's bucking maybe at random times, um, maybe it doesn't, maybe it happens intermittently, um, like he could go for weeks on end and be fine. And then one day out of the blue, uh, you can't associate it with any any other external stimulus, you're probably looking at something physical going on there. Um, again, it can be, uh, certainly can be chiropractic because if a horse gets a rib out of place or a rib that might be overlapping, he might not feel it all the time. It, it might only be when he moves a certain way, but when he canters, he has to round his back more. And so he's more prone to feel um, these chiropractor problems that he might have. Saddle fit is something you certainly want to check. Um, the, the saddle could be pinching the horse in some way, and it might only happen when he canters. So also horses will buck out of frustration. And so we might want to also consider what's going on with the rider there. What is the rider doing that's causing the horse to become so frustrated that he resorts to bucking? And it, it, it probably uh, quite likely has something to do with the reins. So um, not giving an adequate release um, as the horse rolls into his stride is, is a really common one there. So bucks at the canter, there's lots of causes, lots of problems. 
um, and and therefore lots of different solutions. If your horse is throwing a buck at the canter, the very worst thing you can do is stop him when he does um, because that reinforces the behavior. And so if every time my horse uh, humped up or threatened to buck because he didn't want to canter, I brought him back down to a stop, pretty soon he would associate those th two things and he'd start saying, oh, if I don't want to canter anymore, all I have to do is buck and she, she stops me. So what we want to do when a horse is, is, is refusing to move forward, if he's bucking because he doesn't want to keep going, make sure you do not allow him to stop until he quits threatening to buck. So I, don't, I want to make sure the only time I stop that horse is when he is moving freely forward with his back fully relaxed. The number nine challenge at the canter is about having very clean canter departures. Those beautiful departures from the walk or, or trot where the horse just magically steps right into a smooth canter. That's the ultimate goal for most riders. Um, I already talked previously about cueing sequentially. This is really, really important. However, as the horse gets and rider gets more proficient in their communication, as the horse starts understanding the cue, the time that elapses in that sequence of your cue gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And so if you remember a minute ago, I said the sequence that I use in the canter departure after I've prepared my horse that a cue is about to come and my horse, I've and my horse has indicated to me that he's listening to me by lifting his neck and putting his ears back on me. So I know he's ready for the cue. If I'm riding a green horse that's just learning the cue, the sequence, the timing of my sequence of the cue might go something like this. I might say outside leg, 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 lift the rein, rein, and push, push, push. But if I were riding a very finished horse that was very fluent in that cue, I might go leg run seat almost at the same time. Also, always when you sequence a cue, a horse, uh, and we, we use a sequence because a horse learns sequences really fast, and it, it, it helps bring a clarity to your cueing. But when you use a sequence and the horse learns it, he, he will often be cueing off just one part of the sequence and not all the rest of it. And so that's why often many finished horses, as soon as you touch your outside leg, they canter. Because first of all, when you trot, you use both your legs at the same time. And so, and when you use one leg at a time at the canter, he already knows it's a canter. He already knows there's a clear difference between trot and canter cue. And so, and he knows the rest of the cue, so he just, boom, he starts cantering. You might have a horse like my horse, Pepperoni. For whatever reason, I don't know. The most significant part of the sequence to him is actually the verbal cue, the kiss. And so, Somewhere along the way, it became obvious to me that the kiss was what he's re responding to first and foremost as the cue. And so I moved that up the sequence a little bit um, to make it earlier in the cue because that's what he equated to canter. 
And so that way, when I was working on my walk to canter and halt to canter, with a little bit of a verbal cue, he was already thinking in the right direction for me. So you may find your horse, um, after a while, is responding to one part of the cue better than another, and that's important information to know. So, and also that the cue, the the time elapsing of the sequence will shorten as the horse learns. To have really good canter departures to make sure you hit the correct lead every single time, it's really important that you ask the horse to move his haunches to the inside before you ask him to canter. He's going to push off into the canter with his outside hind leg. And in order to make sure he pushes off with that leg, uh, if I move his hips to the inside and he's standing with that outside leg underneath him, kind of automatically makes him push off with it. So if I want my horse to take the left lead, I'm going to push his, push his haunches to the left before I ask him to canter. If I want him to take the right lead, I'm going to push his haunches to the right before I ask him to canter. And so this haunches in exercise sort of becomes a lead in to the canter departure. And most horses will come to understand that that's the setup for the canter. And so by the time you actually um, apply the cue, he already knows what you're getting ready to ask him to do. And so one of the, the best things I can tell you to get nice, clean, smooth canter departures is to make sure your horse knows you're going to ask him to canter before you actually ask him to canter. Um, the timing of this whole thing matters a lot. If you have a super forward horse, you can't spend too much time preparing him to canter because if you over-prepare, he explodes into the canter. So you have to work that out with each individual horse, um, but it's important that you prepare them, make sure they're thinking about the cue and ready for the cue before you actually give the cue. And our final canter challenge and our final canter hack is collecting the canter. And there's a reason why I put this last because you have a lot to work on at the canter before you ever get to collecting the canter. And collecting refers to gathering up the horse, rounding his frame, rebalancing him back onto the haunches so that his stride becomes shorter and higher as opposed to an extended canter where the horse would be elongated and having a much longer stride. Collection at the canter is going to come gradually and of course it's going to require a lot of skill on the part of the rider. And we're going to approach collection at the canter first through circling and bending. So remember earlier when I was talking about slowing down the canter by bringing the horse onto an arcing turn by causing him to bend through his body and lift his shoulders up and tip his nose to the inside. The best way to begin collection at the canter, in my opinion, is through circling and bending. So as you approach collection, you're going to start using more outside rain to support your inside rain. And so we're going to be using a lot of inside rain, lifting and bringing your inside hand in, a lot of inside leg to keep the horses kind of keep sort of pumping with your inside leg to keep the horse's impulsion strong. 
And, um, but you're going to gradually start applying soft contact to the outside rein in order to contain the horse and in order to cause him to shift weight back on the haunches. You will feel, assuming that you have the skill to do all of this, you're already sitting the canter well, you can feel your horse well. As he starts coming into collection, you'll feel him lift up. You'll feel his weight shift to the inside or to the haunches. And at that moment, you want to release him and pat him on the neck, say, job well done. That's exactly what I wanted you to do. Now let's go try it again. So make sure there's lots of releases. Whenever we ask for a collection at any gate, when you're first um, teaching the horse collection, a lot of releases. Every time you feel him gather himself up and, and, and rebalance, uh, release and praise. Hold it a stride or two longer every time. Give him lots and lots of release. Using your rain aids and collection at the canner is more complicated than it is at the trot. At the trot, we have a very clean one-two, one-two rhythm. Your hips are moving side to side, right, left, right, left. It's very easy to feel um, the rhythm of how you should use the reins in a right, left, right, left manner. It's important to use alternating rein aids whenever you ask for collection and not pulling on two reins at the same time. If the rider takes contact on two reins at the same time, the horse almost always stiffens his jaw and neck. And when he stiffens his jaw and neck, he gets heavier on the forehand, and that's the opposite of collection. So collection is transferring weight back onto the haunches and lifting the forehand. So we want to use alternating soft rhythmic pressure uh, with our hands, right, left, right, left, but it's critical that it's in timing with the movement of the horse. Now, the good news is that when you learn to ride the canter correctly, you can sitting up straight in a balanced position, uh, riding the canter smoothly, you should be able to feel the timing of how you use your reins in the canter. The trick is that you want to use sponge squeezes, really soft, gentle squeezes of the rein, alternating right, left, in timing with the shoulders of the horse. But guess what? Your shoulders are moving the same way the horse's shoulders are. And so as you canter around, you will feel, and you're sitting the canter well, you will feel your shoulders move um, outside to inside. So if I'm going to the left, on the left lead, my shoulders would be moving right, left, right, left, right, left. In your shoulders are moving the exact same way the horse's shoulders are moving. And the time to use your rein aid is when the shoulder of the horse is coming back. And so right, left, right, left. When you feel your shoulder coming back slightly, the horse's shoulder is coming back slightly, you just add a little sponge squeeze and then release it and left. So it's an alternating pressure. It is in timing with the shoulders of the horse. And if you're riding the horse well, that means it's in timing with your shoulders. You shouldn't have to think about this too hard. It's just a soft rhythmic feel, um, but you're going to be riding on a little bit more contact now. Um, remember, we're going to come into collection through bending and through working the horse into the outside rein. And um, so when you're ready to uh, reach that 
achievement of collection at the canter. You're going to have to start using a little bit more outside rain, driving the horse um, forward and into the outside rain, and you'll start feeling uh, a big improvement in the horse's uh, the quality of a stride and the smoothness, and he, he should uh, be slowing down in this process as well. So that's your 10, um, 10 challenges at the canter and 10 hacks to go along with it. At least I think in a couple of instances, I gave you uh, more than one hack per category. So you got a little bonus help there as well. Look, there's a lot to learn about the canter. It's uh, a challenging gait. It's a super fun gait to ride. It's the most athletic gait of the horse. Uh, but be patient. Make sure that you aren't tackling something that you and your horse aren't ready for. Uh, make sure you have you know, good safety habits along the way. Make sure you're getting good supervision. Uh, make sure you're wearing a helmet, riding in safe terrain. And um, don't be tackling stuff you're not ready for. Take it one step at a time. Um, never forget that the best way to improve the canter is to improve the trot. Thank you for joining me today. No matter where you are in your horsemanship journey, whether you're conquering canter for the first time, working to regain your confidence, or maybe training a green horse. I hope you found a canter hack that will work for you. Next month on my podcast, I'll tackle another horse training subject to help you find the solutions you need to make your horse life better. I enjoy sharing my horse care and training experience with you, and I appreciate all your feedback, your suggestions, and your questions. I love to hear what topics interest you the most, so if you have questions or podcast topics you'd like me to address, please message me on Facebook at Julie Goodnight or email me at podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Thanks again for your awesome comments and for the five-star ratings. It helps me out a lot and it helps us rise in the rankings so more horse lovers like you and me find this podcast. Don't forget to check out my online membership programs. You'll find the solutions you need when you need them. You can subscribe to my full training library or enroll in a horsemanship short course or join at the premier level, the Interactive Academy, where you receive assignments and personalized coaching from me. Go to signin.juliegoodnight.com and join today. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride. Be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride. Thank you.